0: Church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's service. Thank God for our church workers this morning. Glory
1: to God! How many got the victory this morning? Hallelujah! It is so good to be in God's house. Uh, We are so glad that you're here this morning. I want you to uh, open up your Bible with me. We're going to find the small book of Philemon in the New Testament. Yes, Philemon, the letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it is named after the recipient of this letter. His name is Philemon. And it's a, it's a wonderful name. If you were to look up the definition of his name in the Greek language, it would literally mean kissing. How would you like to be named that? <laughs> but it, it has a, a more uh, more metaphoric meaning to it as well. It means uh, a greeting or receiving. And it's not a, a romantic thought. It is more of, uh, you can see it there in his name. The, the first part of his name is P-H-I-L, uh, Philemon, which relates to uh, the Greek word phileo. The Greek word phileo is one of the words that is used to show brotherly love. The city Philadelphia has the same, same root word in it, P-H-I-L, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I don't know how much that is true anymore. Uh, I've driven through Philadelphia, and, um, well, they they have betrayed their own name. Uh, But what I'm trying to show you this morning is that this is a story, the, the story that is in this letter, written to a man named Philemon. It is a story that echoes the meaning of his name. It is a story about receiving someone into fellowship. And I want to preach a message this morning that I hope is going to help you uh, today on this Saint Patrick's Day. I began to just be curious about Saint Patrick again as a very interesting story. Uh, saint Patrick, before he was a saint, back when he was just Patrick, uh, he uh, when he was just a young guy, a, a teenager, uh, he lived in England. Uh, this is in like the fourth century. Uh, many, many hundreds of years ago, but as a teenager he was captured during a battle and he was stolen by the pagan Irish and brought back to that island and was forced into indentured servitude. You know what that means? He was a slave. And for about six years of his life he lived as a slave working and toiling away for a very cruel master. He was not a Christian at that time, was not saved but later on, he testified that that time, living as a slave, actually brought him closer in his faith to, to knowing Jesus Christ. And so, uh, through a miracle, he was able to escape from that slavery. He was able to get on a boat and sail back to his home in England. And as a young, uh, 20-something-year-old young man, uh, he, he became... Uh, he became Uh, completely convinced about the story of Jesus and the gospel and became part of the the church, the Roman Catholic Church at that time, Uh, and he he was converted. And uh, as I read his story, I was amazed that uh, as he began getting involved with the things of God, began uh, thinking about uh, what he wanted to do with his life, his mind always began to draw him back to the place of his slavery. Isn't it interesting that he began thinking and pondering on those things and eventually made a decision to become a missionary in the same place where he had previously been a slave. And that's exactly what he did. In fact, he he got again onto a ship and this time the same place where he had been forcefully taken. Now he was going with his free will under the direction of the Holy Spirit and he became one of the greatest examples of a missionary. And no wonder that we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, uh, even all of these hundreds of years later. See, uh, see, when, uh, when we blindly celebrate holidays, and we don't understand the reason, that's why so many people today are going to get hammered drunk and have no, reason, no understanding of what they're talking about or what they're celebrating, except the fact that they're, you know, they're having a party day. But if we could once again restore the meaning of why the Catholic Church has has honored this man for so many years, it is truly a story of grace. It is a story of the people who once enslaved me, now I want to go back and help them. Isn't that interesting? And I would say to you this morning that each one of us can learn a lesson. Somewhere in your life, there was a point of slavery. There was a point, the Bible says, that he who sins becomes a slave to his sin. That we all at some point have, be, have come into bondage with one way or another. And now that we have become believers in Christ, that we have received the gospel, that our sins have set us free, it is now upon us to figure out what it is, God, you want me to do With my life. Could it mean that, like St. Patrick, God is calling you back to somebody from your past, to some area, some region that you used to traffic in slavery, but now God would call you back? The man at the tomb of the Gadarenes. Jesus came and rescued this man who was filled, the Bible said, with a legion of demons. He had been cast out from the city where he had lived in Decapolis. And uh, Jesus miraculously set this man free and uh, delivered him from the legion of demons. And there he is, clothed and sitting in his right mind, and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you, just like any of us would. I want to follow you. And the amazing thing in that story is that Jesus says, No, you're not going to follow me. You're going to go back to the city where you came from, and you're going to be my missionary. You're going to tell the city of Decapolis, those people who know you, those people who know your story, those people who then cast you out into this cemetery, you're going to go back and show them the amazing works that I've done in your life. Can I tell you, you and I, we have a missionary calling. That's the true reason to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, is to reach out to the lost who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you wear green on St. Patrick's Day, you know what you're saying? I believe in missionary work. I believe in reaching the lost in faraway places. I believe in sending workers. I believe in giving to support the work of, of Christ, the missionary work. And we don't have to, you don't have to uh, You know, uh, go to Zimbabwe or some far-off place that you can't pronounce. You can be a missionary in your own neighborhood. You can be a missionary in your own apartment complex. Okay, before I get too far ahead of myself tonight, I want to talk about the power of being a good receiver. So Philemon, there's only one chapter. We're going to look at three verses, four verses here uh, this morning, beginning with verse 12. How many football lovers we have in the house of God this morning? All right. I know the football season's over. We're supposed to get on with it. But one of my favorite positions In the game of football, is the position of receiver or wide receiver. Sometimes a good receiver can make the rest of the team look a lot better than they actually are. (laughs) If you have a fantastic receiver, then uh, your offensive line can be a little slippery. You know, your quarterback can be a little sloppy. But as long as he can get the ball in the air, if you have a fantastic receiver, He can make your team thrive. Because you know what a good receiver does? A good receiver finds himself in a place to make a big play. A good receiver is not running away from the ball. He's running to where the ball is going to be. A good receiver takes a sloppy throw from the quarterback, and he leaps, and he jumps, and he contorts his body, in order to receive a wobbly spiral. You know what I'm saying? Oh, what we need this morning is a good as a few good receivers. What we see in our scripture this morning, the apostle Paul is speaking to a man and he's asking him to be a good receiver. And I want to encourage you this morning that we can find great spiritual truth here if you will join me in the book of Philemon. Let's begin with verse 12. He says, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. Verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house today. I'm praying that your people would have a heart uh, that is willing and ready to receive from the Holy Spirit today. I'm praying, God, that you would guide every word that is spoken and guide it into the hearts and minds of your people here today. We're asking, Lord, that you would empower us and strengthen us and equip us, Lord, to do the work of your kingdom. And we thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. A good receiver. I want to look firstly with you at some background of this story so that you can understand why this is such an amazing story. As I mentioned earlier, this whole book is a single chapter. It is actually a short letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. Uh, and, uh, and this man, his name literally means the, 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 the meaning of the story. It means one who receives. This is a story about a slave and a master. Philemon apparently was a slave owner. And the other man, the other important person in this chapter is a man named Onesimus. And uh, don't get confused by these strange Greek names. But uh, what you you must understand here is that uh, slavery has been around forever. It is not something unique uh, to early American history. But slavery is a human problem. How many figured that out? It's a human. It's across cultures. It's across continents, and it was it was uh, it was alive and well in the days of the Roman Empire. Now, back then, uh, slavery, maybe there there were different uh, cultural meanings of what slavery was. Sometimes, uh, slavery was not just something that was uh, meant to be extremely cruel. Uh, sometimes people willingly went into slavery for the purpose of paying off their debts. Sometimes it was a way of showing mercy to a family. Instead of me taking you to the courts, uh, I will allow you to serve me as a, as a slave. And so we don't know why Onesimus was a slave, but here's what we do know. Philemon was the, was the owner, and Onesimus was his slave. Now, this is all. Uh, this is all history behind this letter. So stick with me while I show you why this is so important. One day, Onesimus ran away from his master. Now, if you are a runaway slave in that culture, do you know if you get caught, what your punishment would be? It would be death, but it would be a very specific kind of death, It would be death by crucifixion, the same horrific death that Jesus suffered for us. In those days, runaway slaves were deserving of death. If they were caught, the master would have the right to crucify them under Roman laws. And so what has happened since then? Onesimus ran away from his master, and he had been hiding in the city of Rome. The city of Rome was the the greatest city in the day. It was the capital of the Roman Empire, so there he was hiding. And it was there that he found himself under the teaching of someone we know, someone named the Apostle Paul. He found himself in the same jail or in the next cell over as the Apostle Paul. And here uh, you have this incredible picture of the Apostle Paul who's in prison for preaching about Jesus, and right next to him is this runaway slave. And as this man, Onesimus, begins to hear the stories of Paul, begins to listen to his teaching, somehow some way, Paul had convinced him to be saved and he had been converted. He became a Christian. He asked God to forgive him of all of his sins, and he became a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the next part of the story. At the same time, we don't know how long, how much time has passed by, but at the same time, there is this man, Philemon, who was the slave owner. And he also had experienced the salvation in Jesus Christ. He had gotten saved. And now... Now, here's where it gets really interesting. So Paul and Onesimus had spent time together in a jail cell, and now has come the time that this man is going to be set free, and he's going to go back out into the world. Now, he could have very easily run away from his former slave master. He could have continued to run away from his responsibility. But instead, he and Paul together make the decision, what if... What if you go back home? What if you go back and ask for forgiveness? And so uh, you just think about that. If you were in that situation, if you go back, you uh, rightly could have been crucified on the cross. He, he would have had that right. But what Paul does now is he, he writes a letter. And here's this man Onesimus, the runaway slave. He's carrying the letter from the Apostle Paul, and he's going to deliver that letter to the slave owner, to Philemon. And this whole letter is an appeal that is written by the Apostle Paul to a single individual, Philemon, and the whole point of this letter is, I know that this man is a runaway slave. I know that he deserves death, but I also know that we are all now believers, and that something new has happened, I am sending him back to you, and he says whatever, uh, whatever he may owe, whatever debt he has concurred, I will take that upon myself. The Apostle Paul says that. He says, I'll take it on me. And the, the appeal of this letter can be boiled down to one word, and that's the word I want to preach to you about this morning. It is the word receive. Receive him. Bring him back. He doesn't deserve it. He ran away, and that wasn't right, and we all know that. But my appeal, as the Apostle Paul writes this letter, he says, receive him. Receive him not only as a a former slave, but I want you to receive him as a brother. Read again in our scripture. I am sending him back. Verse 12. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you. Isn't that amazing? The Apostle Paul's appeal to this man, Philemon, is I know this guy, he messed you up. I know that he broke his promise, but my call my appeal to you is simply this receive him receive him as you would a brother now that's the the story behind this letter it's pleading for the freedom and for the restoration of this runaway slave and what i want to say to you this morning is that being a good receiver is a great kingdom virtue it is a fantastic way for us to live. We see examples of this all throughout the Scripture. If you think about some stories in the Old Testament, you will find this same idea explained in other ways. In the book of Genesis, the father of our faith, Abraham, he was commended and rewarded by God as he received a couple of strangers. You remember that story? that the Bible said Abraham was there sitting in his house in, in the heat of the day and from a faraway place he saw two strangers walking and he welcomed them into his house. Turns out these are more than just a couple strangers. Turns out these are angels of the Lord. And it turns out that because he received them well, that God blessed him, that God spoke to him. God gave him direction and understanding for his life because he received them well. How about Joseph? Joseph, you know the story as he is elevated to a place of prominence and position after 20 years of being beaten down, living in prisons, rejected by his family. He was spoken. He was uh, castigated. He uh, he began to, uh, to to have these terrible years of hardship. But then after all of that, He's elevated to be vice president of Egypt. Has all the power and all the authority. And there he is with all of his wisdom and understanding and all of these amazing. And here come his brothers. The same brothers that had rejected him years ago. What would you do if you had all that power? And you had all that authority? Oh, hey, guys. How would it feel to put your necks in a noose? That's probably what most of us would have done. But Joseph, the Bible said that he received them. There was some some politics at play there. But ultimately, he received them. He was not angry. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. He received his brothers. He didn't have to do that. He could have rejected them. He could have killed them, and he would have been right. We see other stories where men, of, men and women of great faith received things in faith. How about the story of Boaz in the book of Ruth? Boaz is a, is a, uh, is a landowner. And as uh, as Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, come back from Moab, a terrible time in their lives, they're both of their husbands have died and, and their widow women and they come back to Israel and they've got nothing. They've got nothing to call their own and so they're basically begging just to get through each day. And the story goes that Ruth begins to pick up the leftovers from those who are taking in the harvest. And as she's doing that just to feed herself and to feed her, uh, her mother-in-law and she's picking up the scraps so to speak, and some somebody catches her eye. It's the, the owner of all the land, Boaz, a man who has prominence and wealth and position. And the Bible says that Boaz takes an interest in Ruth, Ruth, who is a Moabite woman. In those days, to be a Moabite was to be seen with a curse, to be seen as something lesser than. Uh, we don't want to have anything to do with those people. And yet, Boaz takes an interest in this woman, and he receives her to himself. And out of that union, they are married, and out of that, as Boaz marries Ruth, they become the lineage which leads to King David, and ultimately which leads to King Jesus. It's an amazing story about how a man who should have had nothing to do with her, and yet He receives her. When we look into the New Testament at the ministry of Jesus, we see the same thing at work, that when Jesus comes and he begins to preach about the kingdom of God and when he begins to select people to put them in positions for his kingdom, for his church, who does he receive? Does he receive great people, businessmen, uh, political leaders? No, he doesn't receive those guys. Who does he receive? Fishermen, tax collectors the local harlots, Jesus receives them to himself. In fact, the Pharisees were blown away by this. Can you believe that Jesus, this so-called teacher, receives all of these icky people? He receives them. And yet, out of those people came the 120 that were gathered in the upper room. It was those same people that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon on the day of Pentecost. It was those people that started the revolution that turned the world upside down and continues to turn our lives upside down because Jesus received them. Now, here we are in 2019. Who are you receiving? The appeal from the Apostle Paul still has power in our lives. We have a tendency in our minds and in our hearts to treat people differently based on their title, don't we? I have experienced this from time to time. Sometimes I'll meet somebody for the first time and, uh, you know, I'll say, hello, nice to meet you, blah, 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 talk a little bit, go to their house, work on their computer and then all of a sudden uh, they'll say, oh, so how long have you been working on computers? And I say, well, I just do it part time and uh, my real job is I'm a pastor and I'm always amazed, right there. When I say I'm a pastor, how people straighten up. You're a pastor? (laughs) I'm like, I'm still the same person I was 30 seconds ago. But there's something about the title. There's something about the position that we as human beings, we we give a certain respect and honor to a certain title just because the title is given. And, you know, that can be a good thing too. But it can also be a dangerous thing because if we put more... importance on the title, then we begin to think of other people as less important if you don't have the title. Sometimes I feel it the same way. If I tell people I'm a pastor and then I'll, and then they'll ask me, oh, oh, really, what seminary did you go to? Oh, I didn't go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. <laughs> and I feel it. People start going, you can't be a pastor without seminary. Jesus, Peter, Paul, right? (laughs) And I feel that. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'm not a real pastor because I didn't graduate from a four-year seminary. People all of a sudden don't want to receive that. I want to encourage you this morning to listen to the appeal of the Apostle Paul to be a good receiver. Let's look at how to receive. Look at verse 12 again from our scripture. Philemon verse 12, you therefore receive him, that is my own heart. In other words, when Paul is asking Philemon to receive the runaway slave Onesimus, how should you receive him? Let him back into your house, but don't treat him nice. No, that's not what he said. He didn't say put him back in the same position and treat him like nothing happened even though that would have been really nice, too. That's not what he said. But the Apostle Paul says, I want you to receive him as if you were receiving me. Now, let me ask you this question. If you got got a letter in your mailbox or an email in your inbox that said, Pastor Campbell wanted to come over to your house for lunch today, how would you respond? Boy, you'd probably run out of church right now to go clean up your house, right? Said, forget this sermon. I'm out of here. Pastor Campbell's coming over. I need to prepare. I need to clean my sink. I need to get the bugs out of the garage. I need to mow my lawn. Good Lord, it's time to mow the lawn again. Right? If Pastor Campbell was coming over, we'd have to prepare. The Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to treat this runaway slave the same way you would me. Can I tell you this morning that there is no such thing as an unimportant person? Do you know why that is? Because Jesus died just as much for the beggar on the street as he did for the king in the palace. The blood of Jesus is not worth more or less based on who we are or what we've been through. And so when the Apostle Paul makes an appeal to this man, Philemon, he says, this is more than just a runaway slave that we're talking about. I want you to treat him the way you treat me. I want you to receive him with the same amount of joy and thankfulness and gratitude as if I was walking into your house. I wonder, do you treat people like that? Especially the people who can't do anything for you and can't do anything to you. You know, if there's somebody who can, who can uh, give you a, a raise or promotion on your job, we tend to treat them a little differently. We tend to cater to their needs, get some more face time, right? But the people who can't do anything for us, ah, forget about them. There was a problem in the early church. We read about it in the book of Acts how it said that the, the, the elders and the, the widows were being neglected because what do they have to offer? People had nothing. people who couldn't give a large tithe, people who sat in the back row and, and didn't have much to offer to the kingdom and they were being neglected. And they said this shouldn't be like that. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And I want to give you this appeal this morning. That sometimes as a pastor, as people who've been in church for a long time, we realize that people come into our church, some people have a lot to offer. Some people have a large salary. That means a large tithe. Or that means that there's some people who have good talents and abilities who can get, get sing a song or play an instrument. And we say, oh, yeah, come on in. We love. We want you to be here. And there's other people who come in the door. And have very little to offer in the flesh. Have very little to offer except a lot of problems, a lot of drama. Do we still treat them the same? Because that's exactly the same people that Jesus received to himself. Who are you receiving? Verse 17 says, you count me as a partner, receive him as you would. Me. Paul essentially says the same thing in two separate verses, only a few verses apart. Who are you receiving? Do you know what evangelism is? Evangelism is receiving people right where they are. I receive you. To receive someone gives them honor. What he's saying to Philemon is when this runaway slave comes back into your house, you're not going to treat him like a slave anymore. You're going to treat him the same way you would treat me. That means we're giving him dignity. We're giving him honor. We're giving him what he doesn't deserve. And that's called grace. That's what evangelism is. That's what we do on Saturdays, isn't it? That's why when we go to evangelism, what I love to do is I love to go to a place where all kinds of people are, right? We don't only go to the trailer park where there's poor people, and we don't only go to the rich neighborhoods. We go to every place. Or we go to Walmart where everybody goes. Right? We go to a meeting place. We go to this place where, where, where everybody comes together. Because everybody is who Jesus died for. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning. We receive you, whoever you are. I want to make this point as we close. Reception leads to improvement. Now let's go back to our beloved wide receiver. If you've got a star receiver and you imagine yourself, you're at the end of the, the game and, and you're about to lose and you've, you, if you could just score a winning touchdown, it would put you on top and you could beat the other team. But from the 50-yard line, the the, the offensive line is tired and shaky and the the defense starts to break through and the the quarterback, the the only thing he throws up is a prayer. And from the 50-yard line, a Hail Mary pass. He doesn't even see where he's throwing. And he's going in there. What a miracle at the bottom of that arch where the ball is about to fall. The wide receiver is going exactly to that spot and he catches it on the five yard line, and he catches it, and then he lays down. Why didn't you go into the end zone, man? See, just a good reception isn't good enough. A good reception also leads to an improvement. It's not enough just to catch it, a good receiver has to start running. A good receiver has to start dodging and ducking and weaving and jumping and leaping. He can do some magic after he receives the ball. That's what makes an incredible receiver. Am I right? So let's talk about the church then. We are called to make great catches, but it is not enough just to catch the ball, we've got to run. We've got to go forward to greater things. In the kingdom of God, we say that God loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you enough not for you to stay that way. Come as you are. Leave better. When we are found in the arms of Jesus, when he catches us, I want to tell you, he begins to run with us. The church needs to be that receiver that makes amazing catches, but then it's time to do greater things. In Matthew 13, as we close, Jesus tells us the famous parable of the seeds falling onto different soil. And he tells us that there's some soil that is so hardened and so uh, flattened and, and the seed falls on it, but it finds no root. And that seed begins to be snatched up by the birds of the air. Tells us about another kind of soil where the seed falls in and for a short time begins to grow with speed and with strength. But because there are thorns, because there are weeds, because the sun begins to scorch, then those seeds begin to die out, right? Jesus said that those weeds are like the cares of this world The troubles that this world and and what happens is that sometimes we catch what God is doing for us and we let it grow for a little while. We make our little New Year's resolution and it works for about six weeks. And now here we are in March and we forgot all about our New Year's resolutions. And we're like those little seeds that grew for a time and then died. Jesus also told us about the good soil. That the seed can fall into that soil and it takes a deep root, and it finds nutrients, and it finds strength, and it finds water, and it finds sunshine. And what happens when a seed begins to grow? It begins to multiply. It begins to produce. It begins to bear fruit of righteousness. I want to tell you, beloved, this is a picture of the kingdom of God, that every sermon that you hear, Every time you pick up the Bible, every time that you give to the kingdom, every time that you witness to somebody is a seed that is being put into the ground. The question is, what kind of ground is it finding? Reception ought to lead to improvement. Verse 15 says, For perhaps he departed a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. Everybody say the word forever. Not just for a time. Not just for a couple of weeks. But this is an open invitation. Receive him forever. When Onesimus went back home, he was not greeted with a cross, but as a brother. And that has the power to change a man's life. That has the power. He left a slave And came back as a brother. Romans 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We are received by the Father. When we come into a church, a local body of believers, we hope that this is a place where people can also be received and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in a service like this. And we hope that in a place like this, it's fertile soil that can cause seeds to begin to multiply, where families can begin to multiply, where new converts can get out of the new convert stage and become strengthened believers and saints filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where that must happen. And it, the way that that soil begins to be prepared is as you and I make individual choices like Philemon did. This man did me wrong. This man ran away, ran from his responsibilities. But the Apostle Paul pleaded on his behalf receive him who will you receive who will you take under your wing who will you give honor and dignity to who doesn't really deserve it because that's what the kingdom is all about it is those very same people that we think can do nothing for us who we think in our mind oh if you can't play guitar or if you can't uh, can't carry a tune not even in a bucket if you can't do that, then you're not worth anything to the church. Far from it. Jesus said, "Woe to them who cause these little ones to stumble." The little ones. Those little ones that are back there in our children's church right now. That's who the church is really all about. Cuz that's the future. The little ones, the little ones in faith, those ones who have nothing, have never picked up a Bible in their, ever in their lives. Those little ones, they're the ones who really matter. And I want to encourage you that we are a church who will receive even the least of these. Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes as we bring this service to a close. And as God deals with our hearts for a few moments, we want to close in prayer and we want to take a few moments, an opportunity up here at the altar, to pray together, Lord, let me be one who receives. Let me be one who receives people into my heart, into my home, into my prayers. Let me be a good receiver, Lord. God has not called us to be spiritual recluses, separated from everybody and everything that matters. Oh, but God has called us to be active and moving in his kingdom, For just a moment, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to...
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.